Welcome. We're so glad you're here on this second week of our experiments and what we're doing uh, is something just a little bit different. Uh, so if you're new with us here uh, today, we normally do have lots of music. We enjoy that. We sometimes have a choir. We have orchestra. Uh, but we decided that during this season of Lent, what we would give up is singling out worship as the our, our music as the only way of worshiping. And so we are uh, spending some time in more of a retreat like setting. And so we're going to read scripture. We're praying. Uh, we are, of course, giving and we will hear a teaching. Uh, but we're doing some of those things that uh, are a little more uh, quiet and those kinds of things. And we're inviting you to be a part of this. So I hope you brought your journal with you today. What we're going to do is you're going to hear scripture read and then we're going to listen or spend some time listening to God. And what you want to do is you want to, as the scripture is being read, you read the scripture too. And if something jumps off the page at you, write it down in your journal. And then when there's time for listening for God, you're praying and you're asking God, why did you cause that to grab my attention? And then write out some things that are there. Last week we had a few uh, really good constructive criticisms uh, of what we were going to do. One of those was that, man, we were rushing here and there and getting our kids to Sunday school. And, and it was like, we're here. And it's just like, I, I didn't know what to It's like I couldn't settle down to be here. <laughs> and so let's all just take a deep breath and let it out. Take a moment to be here. Let's take one more breath and out. Good. And let's be here. The other constructive criticism was I didn't have time to find my way into the Bible, where the passages were. So let's go ahead, James, and go to the next slide. You can go ahead and get those prepared. Go ahead and take the Bible. If you, however you get your Bible, you can look those up or grab the one in front of you in the pew and go ahead and tuck some things in there. If you need to rip a little bit out of your journal or out of your uh, bulletin, you can go ahead and get those so that you can read along with us. There's no shame in this. If you don't know where books of the Bible are, look in the front and there's a, there's a table of contents and you can find your way. And like that first one is Genesis 12. So you'll find Genesis and then you'll flip till you see a big number 12. And then, uh, and then you'll look for, we're going to begin right at the very first verse, that little number one. So you can read along and all of those. But some of us, as we're looking at journaling, struggle with journaling. And uh, it's like something that you don't, in fact, the person that I'm going to have you have share with you a little bit said she detests journaling. And yet it's a part of what God is, is doing in a different way for her. And so I'm going to invite Carla to come and share her method of journaling as we look at this, because some of you may want to borrow the way that Carla does some journaling. So go ahead, Carla. Thank you. So I just want you to know, I love paper and pens. I love to write notes. I take notes on um, pastor's sermon. I am always um, have paper close to me. In fact, um, some people could call me a paper snob because I like that feel of the paper. But when pastor said we were journaling, I was like, ha, 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 uh-uh. I don't like to write in sentences. My mom was an English teacher. I think that has something to do with it. Not sure. But the way that I journal is when God speaks to me and has a word, I write that word down. 
And then I do something like we do in corporate world. It's a word map, and it has like a little line going out from that word. And it's just the thoughts. So like um, Psalms 55 this week, one of the words was tune, T-U-N-E. I put down car, piano, sound, senses, pitch, wine, listen. That's how I journal. Okay. So, yes, just where are the connecting points for you in your life and how you do this? So you're gonna, we're going to get just a little blurb each week from how there are different ways to do this journaling, to do this listening to what God is trying to say to you out of the Scripture or during your time of prayer. So make sure you have a pen, a journal, and uh, we're going to go. This week, the theme of the Scriptures we're reading has to do with trust. And so we're going to invite you to go ahead and make sure you have your Bibles open. And I want you to um, go ahead and get ready to write. And uh, we're going to have Carla come and do our reading from Genesis chapter 12. So go ahead and open your Bibles there. Genesis 12, 1-4a. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your family's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Let's take some time to listen to God and to journal.
Let's read scripture from Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, 13 through 17. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that are not. Let us listen for God's voice and journal.
Would you stand with me for the reading of the gospel? This is from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound but cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our response is... Thanks be to God. Amen.
And as we prepare our hearts for prayer, we'll hear a psalm, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forever. Amen. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer, so I invite you to take whatever posture allows you to know you're in the presence of the One who watches over your coming and going, both now and forever. Today we're going to pray specifically for one of our own who is going to be going. Tim, who recently joined our church, uh, is going off to serve in the military. He's going to Afghanistan, is that correct? And he leaves next Tuesday, but this is our, our last Sunday with him. So we're going to ask if he would come and, and kneel here. And then I want to do something very specific here. Uh, I would like for any of our men and women who have served in the military uh, to gather around Tim, to lay a hand on his shoulder, let, you, let him know, hey, I've been there. I know where, where you're going, and I'm going to remember you in prayer. So if that's you, come. If you can't get all the way in, it's okay. Put a hand on the person in front of you. Then Tim is a part of our daycare. He's been helping with our kids and showing them the love of Christ. And so if you're a part of the daycare, the we care, would you come? Just put a hand on a shoulder around him. Miss Jen is here as our daycare director. We send him off with blessing. Some of our We Care board is here. Yes, come. Wonderful, wonderful. And then anyone who else who just would like to encourage and lay a hand as a church member, as a church attender here, you're going to be praying for Tim. You come. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, every scripture that has been read today deals with trust. Whether it's the example of Abraham who trusted you, that where you called him, you would be faithful. And he set out to go when you said go. 
And that modeled for us what is the relationship between us as the ones who are created and you as the Creator. We are called to trust you. And as Paul said, when we do that, we're in right relationship. We've got that thing right. And most importantly, as Jesus reminded Nicodemus, for that to take place, we must be born again. It's like everything has to change. So we pray, Father, that you would help us to trust what the psalmist wrote, that you watch over us when we come and when we go. And we can trust you. And now one of our own is is going to go. He's answered a call of his country. And so we pray for Tim. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would protect him, yes, from the enemies that might literally be shooting at him, but we pray that you would protect his mind, we pray that you would protect his heart as he sees violence the brokenness of our world. May He trust You that You are with Him in the midst of whatever battle it may be. We pray that He would come home soon along with all our soldiers. And we pray most importantly that You would come, Lord Jesus, as the Prince of Peace that we would live to see the day when all weapons will be turned into farming equipment as the prophet spoke long ago. And you will rule and reign in a city with open gates. For you are the Lord. Bless Him and keep Him. Help Him grow Him and strengthen Him. Help Him to find a community of believers within the military. May you send chaplains His way men and women who will influence him for Christ. We pray your blessing would be upon him. We ask that in Jesus' name. Father, for those who are ill today, we pray your healing touch would be upon them. Pray that you would bless them. Pray that you would help them. We're grateful for the ways that you have healed. Use doctors and surgeons. We're so grateful for the ways that you have helped Joyce. We pray for those who are in the process of saying goodbye to a loved one. We think of Bob and Joyce Alds. We pray that you would touch, touch them and support them as Bob's mother's illness continues to progress. We pray for her and that you would touch her and help her pray for Sarah, my neighbor, and her young daughter, that you would comfort them in these last stages. May they know that you will be there when it's time for them to go. 
God, for those who are in need of work, we pray that You would help them to find that employment and help us to stand in the gap to help with food or assistance in whatever way we can. Now, Father, we're going to continue to worship You through giving of our tithes and offerings. Thank You for the ways that You've given us ways to earn. We pray that as we give, it would be used to build Your kingdom here in Portage, in Kalamazoo, and around the world. God, we love You. We want to hear from Your Word this morning. Teach us as we're on this retreat setting, to trust You always and forever. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Tim, look around. You've got a lot of people praying for you. We'll continue to do so. Well, if you have your Bibles, we'd encourage you now to open them to the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a part of our retreat. We're beginning to look at Ecclesiastes. Last week, we talked about it in terms of the author and the teacher, preacher. The Hebrew word is Kohelet, the one who gathers. And the author kind of has gathered us like a, like a house party. He wants us to hear from this teacher. Last week, he kind of summed up some of the words of the teacher, we heard those that summation and jumped into that. This week, he lets the teacher stand up and begin to teach us. And so this is where we jump in. And we're going to begin at verse 12 in chapter 1. And we're going to go all the way through to chapter 2, verse 11. So hear the word of the Lord. I, the teacher was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, too, is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. I said to myself, come, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. 
I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward of all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve... Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Aren't you depressed? It's the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) Oh, it's hard, isn't it? These are difficult words. Now, I feel like we need a quick recap Because there are some things in here that we're going to see each week that help us understand, I think, more more diligently what the teacher is trying to tell us. So let's look at this. That First of all, that Ecclesiastes as a book, as as a whole, is a good, hard, and honest look at life. He pulls no punches. He holds nothing back. He doesn't look at it rosy. He doesn't try and see the glasses half full. He is there to just pull reality right in front of your eyes and make us have a hard look at it. That's the whole goal of this book. Now, he uses some terms very frequently. In fact, we saw a couple of these today. Uh, life under the sun is a phrase that he uses. And when he uses that phrase, that phrase, life under the sun, what he means is life as it is, not as we wish it to be. That's important. It is reality. Not what we hope life will become in the future. It's life as it is. And that life is broken. It is filled with all kinds of things that are hard to look at. But He wants us to pull it in. He wants us to see this. The other word you heard is meaningless. He loves to say, everything is meaningless. We learned that that word, the Hebrew word, is the word what? Let's say it together. One, two, three. Hevel. Yeah, it's very easy to say. Hevel. Now that word in some of your translations is says vanity. We understand vanity as self-obsession. That's not necessarily what he's getting at. We get the word vanity because it comes from vainglory, which is a little bit closer to that. But uh, And it also doesn't mean meaningless. Like there's no meaning whatsoever in life for these things. But what he actually is, but it does lead us to kind of feel those feelings, like it may be that way. But the word hevel literally means smoke or vapor. And so whenever we see the word meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, what he's saying there is hevel, hevel, everything is hevel, everything is smoke, everything is vapor. And what he means by that is, is if last week I showed you when you blow out a candle and there's smoke there, that it's here and then it's gone. So these things that he's kind of lining us up, today we'll, we'll look at a, at a couple of those. When we, when we look at it, it's like, it's here, but then it's gone. When I think I've got it, I don't have it. It looks like something that's solid, like something you could hold in your hand, but then you, you close your hand and it just slips through and it's gone. You can't hold on to it. It's not a solid footing. And if there's too much of it, it makes it impossible to see clearly. And so when he begins to look at this, whenever you see that meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, you should think 
Hevel, hevel, smoke, vapor. It can't be grabbed onto. It looks solid, but then it's gone. I can't get my footing on it. And that's why he often uses the phrase like chasing after the wind. You think you know where it's going, but then it changes direction. It is hard to hold on to. So the Kohelet, that is our Hebrew word for for the one who gathers or the teacher or preacher, cites three things why that, that keep us looking at why things are hevel, are, are impossible to hold on to. One is time. That we have just a little blip of time here on this, on this planet. And then soon we will die. You see what I mean? This is kind of depressing, isn't it? It's not a cheery book. And, some, and sometime after you die, people will forget who you are. Oh, that just I, here I am building my big reputation and and I'm going to grab out and then it's gone <laughs> and then life's randomness that these things just seem to happen life is short and the unexpected comes and and we just seems to to let us know we we built all this up and then something happens drastic and it's all torn down and oh I thought I had it but it slipped through my fingers hevel hevel Everything is hevel. I hope that helps you understand that a little bit more as we begin to look into those things. The purpose of all of this is not to depress you. Okay? So don't be reaching for, uh, for other things. Let's just hold here. It's not to depress you. Let's get through what it is, is to truly challenge your assumptions about life and where God is in our lives. So, with that said, let's, let's go. Last week we heard the author, this week the Kohelet is speaking, and we begin to see that he starts off in what we think would be a positive direction. If he's a leader, if he's a king of Israel, we want leaders who are wise, who have studied, who have looked into things. Amen? And so he, be, he tells us, he is wise. I applied my mind to study and explore wisdom and all that is done under the heavens. He is moving in the direction that we want leaders to move. And he sees, he says, all that is done under the sun or under the heavens he uses this time. He sees life as it really is. Remember, that's what we're looking at whenever you see that phrase. I looked into life as it really is. And it is not pretty. It is hard. He says, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What does he mean there? Well, it's what we witnessed this week. Tornadoes cannot be undone. Viruses happen. Bombs get dropped on children. On unintended targets or maybe unintended targets. It's not pretty. And those things can't be straightened out and undone. He looks straight at it and says the truth. What is lacking cannot be counted. You can put a commercial on each time for the number of children that need food, that need clothing, that need shelter, that need water, that need help, and it seems beyond count. He is honest about the way life really is in its brokenness. So he decides, I I see all of this, so I want to understand it. Why is it that way? So in verse 16, he said, look, I've increased in wisdom. In other words, I'm a smart guy. 
I've seen all the things that go on. So I applied myself. Verse 17, I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also madness and folly. I want to see everything. I want to look into this. I'm going to understand it. I'm going to understand why there are starving children. And then I can design a program and I can get that food to them and do all of those things. I'm going to figure out the weather. I'm going to figure out, I just want to figure out how to solve all these problems. But, he comes to the conclusion, it's all hevel. Just when I think I've got the solution, it goes right through my fingers. Just when I think I fed all these kids, something happens and then there's a whole new group of kids that need the same help. It's uncertain. I I can't find my way here. He sums it up. In verse 18, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. If you've ever spent time on an internet news site, you know this, right? You know a lot more of what's going on in the world. And your heart is heavy for what you see is going on in the world. You've been here, haven't you? You know what the teacher is saying. This should resonate within us. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know we come to church because we want to be built up and sent out with joy. We'll get, we'll get closer to that. But for just a moment, we need to hear the words of the teacher and acknowledge that it's true. Now let's pause here. Let's pause just a moment. Because we have seen a lot of these things happen this week, haven't we? There's a heaviness that's here. There's a desire in us to make it right and better. And those desires are not bad. If any of you want to jump in a van and drive down to Nashville, there's plenty of work to do. I have lots of friends who live in those neighborhoods. They would love your help. But to think that we can undo all the brokenness is hevel. To think that we'll, we'll finally have meaning if we do all of those things, it'll slip through your fingers. There will always be something else there. So he takes a turn, and it seems like a weird turn for us because he he finishes this chapter and he moves on to another chapter. And he decides, well, let's look at pleasure. And he goes in and he, he re, you can, I won't reread all of it because it's kind of the whole chapter, but he says, let's see what's going on. Let's, let's party. Let's, let's do all. I just want to see what pleasure has to offer and bring. And so he says, I'll deny myself nothing. Anything my heart desires, my eyes see. So bring on the wine. Bring on the food. Bring on uh, sex. Bring on possessions. All the delights of the heart, he says. And I'm just going to gorge myself on those. It seems weird to go from, ah, oh, I'm a smart guy and I'm figuring all this out and it's, it's hevel. But honestly, this seems strange, but we do this all the time as human beings. We see life under the sun. Life as it really is. 
And when we see all that happens under the sun, it makes us want to escape, doesn't it? We just want to get out of here. We even do this in the church in subtle ways. We take a really good part of our belief about heaven. And we can sometimes boil our whole faith down into, well, this world is so bad and I can't wait till I get there. And we make our whole faith about escaping. I believe in heaven. I'm just as pumped about it as the next person. But we serve a God who so loved the world that He came into life as it is under the sun. And He experienced the severe brokenness of the world in order to let us know that God is with us in the brokenness. And God's power can help us to live in the meaninglessness, the vapor, trusting in the One, the One who loves the world so much. So we have to look at this. We think that reality is too harsh, so we think pleasure will help let us escape. And then we get into this pattern, the more pleasure I have, the greater the escape will be. The longer it will last. And so we look to all kinds of things. Some of the things that, that he looks into here, having the right possessions, having the right job, uh, you know, maybe it is food or sex or wine or whatever it might be. We, we just go all in in hopes that we'll get a little reprieve from the way life really is under the sun. Put this picture up here because this is a picture of Belfast. Uh, Northern Ireland, where we lived for a while. And we lived, as these times were coming to a close, it was kind of a war zone for about 30 years. And we had friends who served in the police department that was basically uh, a glorified military. And they experienced some very, very traumatic things in this war with the IRA And I'm sure the IRA soldiers experienced some traumatic things from the police officers and the British Army. But one of the police officers I was talking to said on tough days when we had seen life under the sun, we would come back into the station and he would say to me, because he knew I was a counselor, we didn't have counselors waiting for us. What they did was they opened up a bottle of Bushmills, handed us a glass, poured a good amount, and said, go drink it off. Said for a lot of us, it took more and more to drink off what we saw under the sun. More and more and more and more and more. You know what this is like. I'm using alcohol as an example, but there are plenty of other things that we try to escape with. Plenty of other things that we try to get away from life as it really is. To try and make it a way to escape. But the truth is that verse 11 always comes. The day of verse 11 is always here. You want to read this because he says, Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was what? Hevel. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. 
We can try to escape from reality all that we want, hoping that it will provide some little tiny bit of meaning and the teacher wants us to know all of that will slip through your hands. Too much of it will cloud the way forward. You can be caught in a trap of endless repeating, trying to escape the way things really are. No amount of pleasure can help us escape. It's Hevel. Now remember, Hevel is not evil. I want to make that distinction really quick. Food is not evil. Sex is not evil. Working is not evil. Enjoying a park or planting a garden is not evil. It's when we try to use those things to escape and we try and cram more and more and more and more of it into us that it clouds us and we lose our way. This is what the teacher wants us to understand. That it's hevel, it's vapor, it'll be gone too soon. You can't hold on to it and too much of it will cloud your path. Whatever that thing is for you, it can become a trap. A cycle that makes it hard to see where God is calling you forward. All right. Are you depressed enough? What do we do? That's maybe where you're, where you're wondering. What do we do with life under the sun then? Well, the Kohelet is going to bring us back. The gatherer, the teacher, is going to always bring us back to a phrase like this. We're going to have to jump down to verse 24 to get to it. So go ahead and turn there if you would like. I'm going to have it on the screen. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. Eat and drink and find satisfaction in your toil. Isn't that what you just told us is Hevel? Eating and drinking? No. It's the amount of eating and drinking that he was talking about. He is always going to bring us back to this. We're going to see this over and over throughout the weeks as we're in this book until, uh, until Easter Sunday. We'll see, he's going to bring us back to these things. I want you to know that word satisfaction. I found this very interesting as I was reading this in the Hebrew. It is the word nefesh. Remember nefesh just a few weeks ago? It is life, but the full life, the good life. And he connects it with the word tov, which means good. So it is really eat and drink and find the good passion, the good soul, the good desire, the good life, the good appetite, and the joy that comes from that in whatever you have been called to do. Whether it's to be a chiropractor, a teacher, a therapist, a pastor, a secretary, a worker, whatever that is. Find the good passion, the soul, the desires, the life, the appetite in there to have food, to have drink, and to find the good, full life within the work that you have been called to do. You know, sometimes we refer to these as the the little things. He's saying it's not in gluttony, which is cramming tons of food into me. It's not in drunkenness and cramming all kinds of drinks into myself. It's not in workaholism. It's not just trying to build all that. We'll get more into workaholism in the weeks to come. It is in the little things in life that we can find great pleasure. 
if we practice not chasing after hevel, not chasing after the wind, but resting in what God calls us to. I've been trying to practice this this week. I want to tell you about one example. It was last night. My son decided he wanted breakfast for dinner. How many of you like breakfast for dinner? I do too, yeah. And at first we were like, well, we've got all these leftovers. We should make him eat some of those. But I, I stopped and said, no, you know, I'm okay. If he wants breakfast, I'll, I'll make breakfast for him. Now, he's 11. He's about to hit his growth spurt. So it looked a lot like gluttony. <laughs> but I tried to just enjoy making some pancakes. Fried up some bacon. Some of you are ready to be gluttonous right now. Put those on a plate. Called him in. He sat at the table. He brought a book with him. My kid loves to read. Normally we'd say no books at the table. We interact, but we were kind of doing all our own things. and So we read. So I watched him perch on the, on the stool, because that's how he sits on a stool. <laughs> he was reading, and he was eating pancakes. And I saw he was getting low, and he just seemed to keep going. I'm like, how does an egg sound? Ooh, that would be great. Can you fix me an egg? Sure. Get it going. Joy bringing over to him. Hey, we have sausage. We have sausage? Yeah. Okay. You know, put a little sausage on there. He's eating that. Reading, enjoying. Hey, bud, you're almost done. Yeah, is there anything else? (laughs) Well, I have half a baguette in the fridge. Would you like that? Yes. Warm that up. Do we have any balsamic vinegar? Yes. And to just be there and watch my kid eat some food that we're fortunate enough to have and to watch the joy of him reading, it really got me, like it is now, a little teary-eyed that God has provided for me to be able to do this. That I, I have a son, that we have a family that I can cook. (laughs) And I thought of my friends in Nashville whose homes are destroyed. Here I am. I felt gratitude and gratefulness. A sense that God was with me in that moment. And that it may be in the little things that are the greatest gifts that God has given to us. And unfortunately, we spend a lot of time trying to run after the things that wind up being smoke. So what do we do? How do we do this? To close today, and maybe you want to write some of these questions down to think about and journal on as you continue your retreat at home over the week. What life under the sun have you witnessed? What is life as it really is for you? What tragedies? What things make you want to run and hide in the closet or under the bed and not come out? What are those things for you? Are you trying to escape through pleasure? 
you trying to cram as much pleasure as possible, whatever that particular pleasure might be? What is that? Can you dare to hear the teacher say today, it's vapor. If you put too much of that in your, in your life, it's going to be a fog and you won't be able to see your way through. What is that for you? Is there anything that has already trapped you? You're like, man, there is so much smoke and vapor. I can't find my way forward. Some days I just want to stop. I don't know what to do in the midst of this. What is that for you? Has it trapped you? And then spend some time this week asking God to show you the little things that may just be the very gifts from the hand of God Himself to you. What are the little things? Maybe to ask God, show me good life in my work. Maybe work is the thing that drags you down. What are the good things in work? The relationships, the thing you get to do, the little victories, that you have a paycheck coming in. Whatever it may be. Ask God, what are those little things in my work that are good? And then lastly, where we land, help me to trust You, God, with life under the sun. All our passages today were about trust. Abraham trusted. Paul talks about how that trust is the right relationship. That is righteousness. That is right relatedness to God. Us trusting that God the Creator is the one who gives the gift of the little things and has the whole big thing, life under the sun, in His view. And He knows where you are in the midst of life under the sun. That is the call. Will you ask yourself those questions? Will you let the Holy Spirit give you strength to trust God in the midst of all of this? Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, We thank You for the hard words of this teacher. And we pray that You would help us to know that our help comes from You, the Maker of heaven and earth. Help us to know that You will not let our foot slip. And that You, the One who watches over us, You will not slumber nor sleep. But You will watch over us. You will be the shade when we need it at our right hand. You will keep us from harm and watch over our lives. You will watch over our coming and our going, both now and forevermore. Help us as we journey under the sun and as we have our eyes opened by this teacher help us to see life as it really is but to see it with a knowledge of knowing you are right beside us 
Help us to wait for Your voice. Give us eyes to see the little things that are gifts from Your hand. And to trust and obey whatever You ask of us. For we pray and ask all of these things in the name of the One who showed us what trusting You in a real life looks like. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters, may you not just see life as it really is, although may you see life as it really is, May you realize that God is with you in the midst of life as it really is. May you have the courage to dare to pray. God, help me to receive the quote-unquote little things as gift from your hand. And help me to trust you with life under the sun. I pray and bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Go in peace. Go in His name. Amen. You are dismissed.